It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, if you've had a bladder leak today, listen up. I get it. I tried pills and pads for years but couldn't find relief until I found Axonics Therapy. It's a tiny device that put me back in control of my bladder. Why not see if it could work for you? Visit findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, happy Miracle Day, sir. Happy Tuesday. It is 2-22-2022. Happy Miracle Day, as LJ said. It was on this day. How many years ago, LJ? 42 years. 42 years ago, 1980. Everyone knows what happened. Team USA beats the USSR in the semifinals of the Olympics in hockey. One of the biggest upsets in sports history. Greatest moment in sports history. Absolutely. And it happened uh, in Lake Placid which I have been to a few times and it is very nice. I've gone inside the arena there. Uh, really cool, especially as the Olympics just came to an end on Sunday. LJ, did, did you catch your fair share of, of the Olympics this, this year? I did. Um, honestly, I'm starting to really fall for some of these sports. Okay. Um, well, first off, of course, Mono Bob. Mono Bob yeah, is, is very I don't good. think... I don't think there's a single Formula One fan out there that doesn't like Monobob. It doesn't get excited about Monobob. Um, past that, becoming a big uh, cross guy, snowboard cross, ski cross. You like what, the races. Okay. What a fun time that is to watch those people go. And then, of course, the uh, was it Team Slalom. 
also that was another late laid on one that was certainly caught my attention see when i watch the olympics i think just all the sports are awesome because it's it is the best athletes at those respective sports but i tend since i am a big sports fan myself outside of olympic sports i tend to to gravitate towards the sports where there's not a judge that is um a choosing how good you do and, and not that there's anything wrong with those sports but uh like a downhill skiing it's literally <laughs> get there the fastest and it creates some really interesting moments knowing that you have to go all out knowing you have to take risks to beat the clock that's cool curling lj really got into curling canada i did not realize how big of a presence they have in the curling world uh they were saying that the canadian nationals in order to get into the olympics is more competitive than some of the actual Olympic teams that are in the tournament. They said that it's, wow. it's just that deep. You know, honestly, my favorite part about curling, love the sport, but the thing that I've been fascinated by is how they put together the ice. That is such a meticulous process. It's insane. Brandon, they have to walk at such a specific speed to be able to get this right. Like that level of detail and preparation. How could they not automate that? <laughs> you know, that's a good point. Wow. Well, no, there's no real, I, I can't find a good way to, huh. I mean, I guess there's more friction with like a tires on a truck, but it's basically just a sprinkler moving at a, a direct, a correct speed in the air. Well, that was the Olympic minute or two for for this week um yeah i enjoyed it i always like watching the olympics uh lj back, we also back next week for our uh olympic minute or two prep for next summer olympics two years or, away or we can prep for the world cup that will be next winter in qatar um yeah let's go team usa Brandon, did you get a chance to watch any college baseball this weekend? Baseball season is officially upon us. Unfortunately, I was unable to actually sit down and watch games because they are all hidden behind the paywall known as ESPN Plus, which I currently do not have an account to. Um, and a lot of the games just aren't televised on national TV. However, I have been keeping a very close uh, track of what has been going on in the college baseball world as it has started. Um, for those of you who do not know, I can give out the top five rankings right now. Texas is number one. They clearly look like the best team in the country. They did everything. Bigger in Texas. Everything is bigger in Texas. LSU is number two. Arkansas, number three. Oregon, or excuse me, Oklahoma State, number four. And Stanford, number five, um, you're going to notice in the top 25, it's a lot of schools that have warm weather. That's not a coincidence. Um, it just it just makes sense. Well, yeah, and I mean, baseball just, year round uh, in these climates. And you think about the challenges some of these Northeast schools have. I mean, UConn, of course, really solid start two and one for their first weekend, but they're down in florida through mid-march 
both like home and away games they're playing based out of Florida to be able to play people like for me not only is that like not comfortable certainly you you didn't most of those people didn't choose to live in Florida they're up in Connecticut for a reason and also you think about it all their schooling has to or what schooling that these these D1 college athletes do is done entirely online rather than the partial hybrids or whatever they end up doing like that's just a lot of changes for a couple months while you're trying to be in season and get into form absolutely Uh, a few notable things to take away from this weekend Um, like I said the number one team in the country uh, Texas they started three and oh in their first three games they outscored opponents 36 to three Uh, they swept rice and they play today and tomorrow against Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Uh, Texas is really, really good. Uh, they are in the Big 10, 12, excuse me, Big 12. Um, so they do have a bit of an easier conference schedule compared to other teams. I know that. But still, the team to beat uh, so far. Also, LJ, Bryant University, the Bryant Bulldogs. You want to tell me what they did? Whoosh. That's right, Bryant University, the Bryant Bulldogs, the alma mater of Mama and Papa Elge managed to sweep number 14 or number 12, number 14, number 14, ECU. Uh, Brandon, a huge weekend for that program who has only been up in Division One for a handful of years now. Yes, uh, a sweep which also catapults them to number 24 in the rankings. Uh, according to NCAA baseball fans on Twitter, their rankings. Um, I don't know if this is the official it one. It's not, not the official. They did not okay. make it. Uh, 24 actually is ECU now. Got it. Okay. So this is just how this person who ever runs this account on Twitter has them ranked. I mean, you could seemingly make a case for them to be in the top 25 if they just swept a team uh, on the road. So, uh, yeah, huge for the La Fiora family this weekend. Absolutely. Now, Brandon, um, I know you didn't catch this, but another great game of the weekend on ESPN Sunday night. If you didn't want to watch the NBA All-Star game, UCLA Florida State softball. What a game. Mm. ended up florida state walks it off four three in extras uh really fantastic uh fantastic competition florida state's got it got a couple uh, really solid pitchers in there um certainly a fun game to watch well i'm just happy college baseball is underway because we get to see people hit nukes lj we need to talk about tommy tanks do we know who Tommy Tanks is? I don't know. Let's make sure everybody knows who Tommy Tanks is. He certainly, at least his uh, reputation precedes him so far in my book. Tommy White is a freshman for NC State. LJ, his first career game on Friday, he hit a home run. Then he stepped up and hit another home run. And then he hit another home run. So we had three on Friday. On Saturday, he hit a home run, so which happened to be a grand slam. So there's four home runs. 
And then on Sunday, he hit a home run. Five home runs in his first three career college games earned him Perfect Game USA's National Player of the Week. Tommy Tanks, by far the best hitter in the country through the first weekend. And Brandon, we were talking about this. This is one of my favorite pieces of watching college baseball is figuring out who took a flyer on certain guys with late round picks. And he did not obviously didn't end up going into the minor leagues. He decides to go to college. And if we were correct, we were looking, we didn't find a pick for this guy. I could not find him picked in the 2021 draft. I'm going to double check again, but I could have sworn that I did not see him. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's not surprising. And again, um, all right, me, I'm sorry, excuse me. It is surprising, but time will tell whether this was a blatant miss. I would genuinely would like to see it be a blatant miss and have this guy ball out, but we will have to see. Yes. Only time will tell because, I mean, realistically, yes, anyone can have a good three games or not anyone, but like any player that is able to get noticed by that level can have a good three games. Can he have a good season? Can he have a good three seasons? That's the question. LJ is stat line through the first weekend. Nine for 14. Good for a 643 batting average. He walked twice. That's good for a 688 on base percentage. Five home runs, which is a 1.714 slugging and a 2.4 OPS. Tommy Tanks. Tommy Tanks. Brandon, I um, also wanted to give an update on this because I was poking around. Baseball America has Brian at 22. Interesting. Okay. It popped Bryant and Old Dominion, or Old, Old Dominion moved up. Oh, 24 to nothing and then 19 to one over Iona this weekend. Rough for Iona supporters. Tough, tough weekend for the Gales. LJ, should we talk about Major League Baseball? <laughs> no, it just makes me sad. Well, I have, blue, I have blue baseballs and the uh, NCAA is the only thing that cures them. LJ, what if I told you that the league and the Players Association have agreed to meet more often? They had to come to an agreement to figure that out, but but they agreed. Can we? To, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to even. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to pretend there's progress anymore. You know what? I got to the point. I walked out of my dorm on Thursday, and it was 60, and the breeze was blowing. And I'm like, dang, this is the perfect weather to be playing baseball. And then I remembered that this crap is still going on. So no. I'm not, I'm not pulling back anymore. Can we talk about how this, you know, meeting more often probably should have happened during the playoffs or gee, maybe September, August, any time before this bargaining agreement was supposed to run out. Who did they really think they were putting pressure on? Well, LJ. John Heyman of the MLB Network reports that the parties are expected to meet daily through the end of February. They met both on Monday, the uh, February 21st, and Tuesday, February 22nd. Uh, on Monday, they met for about an hour and a half, took a three-hour break, convened with their own sides, and then um, 
met again for about another hour and a half. They then stopped the meeting, met again today on the 22nd. And uh, LJ, do you want to know what they talked about the last few days? Because I don't know if I've actually been trying to follow this as closely as possible. I'm not sure if you care that much about this, <laughs> to be I, honest. I, I care less and less. Um, I have been kind of slightly following, but go ahead. and. Okay. As was the case with the league's last proposal, the union offered relatively minor tweaks relative to its past wishes. The union proposal called for 75% of players with between two and three years of MLB service time to be eligible for arbitration. This is the Super 2 rule. As of right now, 22% of players with between two and three years of MLB service time are eligible for arbitration. And they want it. The union started off with 80%. Now they backed it down to 75%. LJ, how do you go from 22 to 80? You don't. And the, the figure doesn't make sense because if you're going to have it at that obscenely high a number, then why are we having it at all? And I also can't stand saying that they are coming closer to the table because they haven't. They take one step forward and two steps back. Why don't we talk about how they walked back their uh, league minimum? Again, which, mind you, is the most ridiculous part of this whole thing, because as far as I'm concerned, that really has never been an issue, Brandon. It really hasn't. First they of all, were apart by about $100,000 going into this meeting. And they are now about, they are now apart $145,000. Yes. Do, would you like me to read uh, um, what they said about this? Let me, finish, let me finish this rant real quick, because it just aggravates me, because first off, we can all agree the issues with how much people are actually getting paid are an issue with minor league baseball and their union, not the MLBPA. That has nothing to do with them. They're not fighting for anything in terms of that. They're talking about the difference between $775,000 and 500 some odd dollars, 500,000 some odd dollars, excuse me. Yet also let's keep in mind the fact that over the past three seasons, each year, this minimum salary has increased by a significant number, and it's been consistently increasing. So there's never been any real cause for complaint with the minimum, as far as I'm concerned. But continue. The union paired their reduced ask on arbitration with a more player-friendly league minimum salary arrangement that they've sought in past offers. The MLBPA had previously been pursuing a flat league minimum salary of $775,000 throughout the term of the next CBA. Jeff Passan reported that the union continued to seek a $775,000 minimum next season for proposed increases in the future years. For example, 2022, $775,000, 2023, $805,000, and uh, going up by $30,000 each year until 2026, where eventually it gets to $895,000. The MLB offered a lower league minimum. They want a flat $630,000 minimum or a staggered league minimum 
between 615,000 and 725,000, depending on the player's service time. But if the league minimum is not set at $650,000, it will not keep up with inflation, which will mean that the players will be earning less money as a minimum salary than they are now in the future years as inflation continues to go up. So they'll be making less and less every year per the MLB's plan. So they're just far apart, um, even as something as simple as this. Yeah, and it's just, it's just a lot of, you know, greed and irrationability here. Now, can we just, again, to derail this, I don't mean to, um, on this note, Jacksonville just beat Florida State. Um, wow. But um, where was I going with that? Oh, can we talk about how on earth are people still consistently supporting the players as if they can do no wrong in this? Like, I look online and I genuinely don't understand it. For, for starters, not only do the players keep walking things back, but they are the group that is most vehemently opposed to third-party mediation. Probably because they know that what they're looking at is completely unrealistic regardless of the time point, and they just don't care how unrealistic their stuff is. The other thing I want to talk about here is everybody keeps trying to play with the nuance of a lockout. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And the fact that the owners locked them out, Brandon, that's, it's just words. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but at its core, those are just words. The difference between a strike and a lockout is abs- almost absolutely nothing because guess what? These players aren't going to want to play without a collective bargaining agreement either. Neither did the team, neither did the teams. And so there's absolutely no difference in terms of what you call it, whether you call it a lockout or you call it a strike. It's all the same in the fact that both sides have to agree. Both sides have to come together. It's not a, they're being, they shouldn't be vilified for just trying to get things going as the MLBPA seems to be the ones slamming on the brakes every chance they get. And the last proposal that the union made They made a minor tweak to its proposal for the draft lottery. While the MLBPA had previously sought for the first eight picks of the draft to be determined by a lottery, the union has modified that down to seven picks. The league's latest offer would have had the top four picks. So MLBPA wants seven. The league wants four LJ wants 15 if they care. Brandon wants no draft lottery because it just seems pointless when you play 162 games and the bad teams are going to be bad and you're going to have the Orioles who win 40 games and they're going to get like the fourth pick and it's going to be it's going to be weird. But, but Brandon, it's 
it's not a matter of that anyway. It's just, it's just, this is more about making the quality of the draft better because all of a sudden you're going to have a greater chance at getting a team that actually wants to pick the best talent in the number one spot. If you're getting the Orioles, the Orioles aren't going to, sign, going to choose the guy with the obscenely high signing bonus unless he's absolutely no brainer. All of these teams are looking for the best deal with these picks as well as the best player that they can get. Oh, so, yeah. Well, especially because if you if you take like what the Pirates did, where they drafted not the best player on the board in Henry Davis, but they got him for under slot value, which means for your second and third and fourth round picks, you can go over your slot value, which means you can reach on a lot more guys that you wanted higher quality players that other teams can't get because their slot values are lower. Someone like Marcelo Mayer falls to the Red Sox and the Red Sox are paying way more than what his slot value is, but they're also getting the better player in Marcelo Mayer. Yes. I just think from a consumer standpoint, you're putting together a consumer product. There's two things that really hold the MLB back. First off the fact that you're not going to see this guy for at least two years after he gets drafted, you're not going to see him play in the majors. And the other thing is the fact that you're not getting the best talent, like in order. There's no other, I mean, the NFL isn't great because of so many teams draft based on need, but it's, this is the least talent based one. And so if you're going to have a team that's willing to spend for the top guy, have a higher chance of getting into that spot, then absolutely. The issue now is the fact partially, yes, you're correct on slot value and where you can spend and overspend. But a lot of these teams also are looking for bargains. You can't tell me that the Pirates aren't still trying to keep their payroll and their costs down to a bare minimum, no matter what, at this point. That's just the way that these teams operate. And so by giving teams that are willing to, by giving teams that are willing to really go out and spend competitively, a higher chance at getting up in the draft will give a more entertaining product on draft night. LJ, we now have what the league and the and the union agreed to. They said that if we don't have a deal by midnight on February 28th, next Monday, six days from now, the regular season will not be able to start on time. LJ, clock is ticking. We have less than six days. No bueno. Um, one more thing before we move on that I wanted to talk about. We kind of we talked about a little bit last. Uh, last week after the episode but let's talk about the way that they just like I feel like this collective bargaining agreement very quietly has been throwing around draft picks willy-nilly like can we talk about how little sense that makes I mean it just again it's it's more doable in the MLB than it is in the other sports where you're allowed to trade your draft picks and everything but at their core these are still assets and you are still counting on these assets. They have a specific value to this, these teams, these teams, some of them, particularly the rebuilding ones are sacrificing and working to get and improve this asset. And then all of a sudden in a lot of situations here, you have the league who is quite literally in there in the uh, latest uh, CBA they have these 
teams getting draft picks if somebody else signs their their free agent, but the other team isn't giving it up anymore. I understand why they're doing it to encourage people to spend in free agency and not worry about losing the draft pick, but that's just one of a couple of other spots that they've talked about it throughout the negotiation process, adding draft picks. They talked about it with the opening day roster, the MVP, stuff like that. You're just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? You're watering down the, your asset for a lot of these teams. And I can't see how they're all, all, all that thrilled about that. I, I completely agree. Uh, it's like you said, even though you can't trade draft picks, right now there's like there's still assets i mean we we see franchise guys in every single draft it's not like other sports where you're not going to be able to find a good player in some of those classes like there's some really rough nba draft classes every mlb draft class has someone that you recognize or at least if you're a baseball fan like you know in they are a solid major leaguer the 2013 or the, the draft class that has a Garrett Cole in it, I think that's 2011, is like one of the greatest draft classes ever. And to just be throwing around these picks here, just saying, oh, you know, you get a pick and you get a pick and you get a pick. It's just kind of, I don't know. It's a little, I don't even know what the word is. Distasteful? Is that even it? Like, I guess. Like, and it's like, why even? work again what motivation is there to be bad and say okay we may not be able to like there's a lot of strategy to this honestly you couldn't see a lot of teams being more willing to sell their players when they're bad like a guy who might be like let's just say i'm spitballing here let's say the red Sox have to like completely rebuild and they've got guys like xander bogarts rafael devers who are young enough that they're going to be able to be around and be effective, they think, by the time this team is able to compete again. And so they don't necessarily want to trade this guy. They're just going to let them be on a bad team for the next couple of years if they're willing to be there. But all of a sudden now, you're not getting the same value out of those those picks as a bad team because your second round pick that you thought was going to be the 34th pick in the draft ends up being the 41st because they've added six or seven picks. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. Um, and the MLB draft, we, me and you have both been uh, critical of them uh, cutting down on the amount of picks, uh, just in general, the amount of rounds, I should say. Um, yeah, but do we want to talk about kind of like a good story, but also it has a negative part to it? Just want positive baseball news, man. We did. Brian's ranked. We've gotten our positive news. Yeah. Now we have to move on with the rest of our suffering. LJ, our guy, my guy, everyone's guy, Juan Soto. It has been reported that he declined a $350 million 13-year extension offer from the Washington Nationals prior to the lockout. Well, it was actually Juan Soto that confirmed that the team made him a long-term offer, but he tells Enrique Rojas that he and his agents at the Boris Corporation prefer to proceed year by year via arbitration. He remains under club control through 2024. That's three more seasons before he hits the open market. 
LJ, I'm going to say it right now. If anyone thinks that he made the wrong choice, they they don't get like what how MLB contracts work, I feel. Because this is absolutely the right choice, right? Like there's it's not even like like this is not a question. Undoubt, undoubtedly because this is a guy who I think we've we've seen enough at this point to know that he's only getting better still. And he is one of the best players. He is one of the best players of our generation. He's going to garner ridiculous money when he gets out there. And so by taking a salary now, by locking yourself in for that long a time, you are now completely losing a ton of value, even three years from now. Think about, I mean, what are we, what are we looking at here? We've best we've gotten is what 400, 420. What did Trout get? Trout's was 413, I think. And I think that's still the largest total value, correct? For baseball, yeah. 426.5. So 420. So you're you're getting 420 million dollars right now. Juan Soto had an opportunity to get 350 million while he's still under arbitration. Three years from now, $420 million is going to be like top five at a position money, not top at your position money. Well, to be fair, and I don't want to bring the lockout into this, if the owners get their way with the luxury tax and it goes down from what it is right now, you, can, you will see contracts also go down again. I don't see how they could keep going up if they're going to make it such harsh penalties for going over the luxury tax. Because if the Nationals sign that deal, then they're just so deadlocked. Unless they want to spend so much money and go over the dreaded luxury tax, which the league is just going to turn into a salary cap. So, Yeah, look, I don't know. I don't think that's that big a deal. Because first off, what they're asking for is unrealistic in that regard. And that's not going to end up being the final number. So that's certainly not something he should be planning around. Also, that number isn't permanent. We have to take that and we have to project it out three, four years from now. The other thing, too, is he could take short-term deals and continue to go high annual value with teams and end up, frankly, could potentially make more money. So... Yeah, I don't. I just don't see that as being that much of a factor to me. I'm not all that concerned about the tax with that. Absolutely not. We're not going to bring up injury or anything. Like it, it, it's safe to say that Juan Soto is going to get a bag unless he somehow suffers a career-ending injury, which I highly, 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 or, highly doubt. Or career-hampering injury because as as dynamic a player he is, he's not playing the uber-athletic game. He's not playing the, honestly, Acuna you could worry about. He's not playing the Tatis game where everything is just all explosive, all, I'm going to use 120% of my athleticism and look, look what I can do. And then all of a sudden, when they don't have that, when they lose that step, they're not the same player. They're not able to be as crafty. I don't see the way that Juan Soto's game plays. I see that translating very well to a body that isn't isn't capable of as much physically. So, yeah, he doesn't really concern me with that. 
The other thing, too, you got to think about is Washington. Like, this also could be less about the money, although with Scott Boris, it's always about the money. Is Washington the best place for him? Look, this is a guy who his English has gotten to be really solid. He's a bright face. He's a dynamic player. He could legitimately be one of the faces of the, he already is one of the faces of the game. He could be the face of the game. And I'm not sure that Washington DC is the best place to showcase that. If he had the opportunity to get to Atlanta, to get to Boston, to get to New York, um, I definitely wouldn't recommend the West coast, but that's for another time. Um, I just, I think there's better places to market himself. And so long-term as much as we know, he's a very loyal guy. I don't see it being 100% in his best interest to stay in Washington. But I wouldn't blame him. We will have to see. LJ, should we get to what we want to talk about today? Probably should. Our top 10 starting pitchers going in to 2022. I believe when you look at our combined list, we have 12 pitchers here as we we had differed on a few names. Um, should we just get right into it? Absolutely. LJ at number 12. He came in at number 10 on your list and not on my list. Lance Lynn of the Chicago White Sox. LJ, I have to admit, he was uh, either 13th or 14th on my list just behind a few other guys. Um, yeah, why is Lance Lynn up here? Tell me. Um, well, first off, I want to talk about how ridiculously hard it is to get onto the top 10 pitchers list. Yeah, it's like, super hard. Frankly, I wasn't willing to consider anyone numbers why. Like, I wasn't going to focus entirely on numbers. I was going to look at, do I genuinely not feel comfortable facing you? Do I genuinely not want to go through a game watching you on the other side? And if it was yes or most likely, then you were in competition for this list. But yeah, I think the last couple spots here were very tight with both a couple guys on your list and a couple of veterans that I think also deserve to be in the running. But Lance Lynn, Lance Lynn's become another animal in his 30s. You know, we talked about this a while back, how some of these guys, there's really, there almost seems to be three different peaks for pitchers. You either have the athletic prime peak, you have the past 30 peak, or you have the late 30s going on 40 peak, where all of a sudden in one of those areas, your stuff gets right and you figure it out. That's where he is right now. We're looking at three straight years with a sub four ERA. Um, he led, am I seeing this correct? Yeah, led the league in batters faced twice in the last three seasons. That's, I mean, that's showing a great workload at 32, 33. But more importantly, dominant, dominant numbers over this stretch, three straight years getting Cy Young votes. And most importantly to me, he led a ridiculously good Chicago pitching rotation this year. And you could tell he commanded that group. Like he was the gem of them all. And it was pretty well known from very early on in that season, even with Rodon's no hitter, everything that was going on. It, he just looked, he looked the cleanest. He looked the most sure. And he is the guy that I would most want 
out of all of those guys, all of the guys that were in the regular starting rotation, I should say, he's the guy I want most at the head of my rotation. All right. We have a tie for 10th place between two teammates, but first we'll talk about Trevor Bauer coming in number 10 on my list, number nine on your list. Uh, LJ, he was very hard to rank because we saw a hundred innings in 2020, 107 innings. So significantly more than he threw in 2020 and he was still really good. I mean, 137 strikeouts and 107 innings is really impressive. Uh, the ERA plus was there. He's still looked very dominant. Um, I think the thing with him is like, we never saw him fully pitch without sticky stuff because of this, because of what happened. And we know that he was a big user of it as he fully came out. It was just taking videos of himself, putting it on his glove when they said like, oh yeah, so you guys can cheat for like a week until we actually get rid of the rule. He just went all out with it. We never saw him fully go through like a month or, or, or two months with without it. So hard to rank him, but still in my mind, a top 10 pitcher in the league. He's got electric stuff, very scientific with his approach. We know that um, he's got some of the best like pitch tunneling, pitch tracking, whatever you want to call it. He's just very good um, at the technique, the art of pitching, I guess. Um, he's a fun guy to watch. So he's in, he's in my top 10. LJ just made your top 10 also. So I'm assuming you feel pretty much the same way. Yeah. Look, this guy has been great since 2018. I'm going to willing, I'm willing to excuse in part the 2019 kind of rough just because Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. His the end of his tenure in Cleveland was rocky, and that can be a distraction. It can be all of that, and so that just kind of is very, very easily can throw off your whole season. I think of all of the guys that we're going to mention on this list, he is the guy with the greatest propensity to move up in this list. Easily, I look at him. I look at his numbers, and his numbers are fantastic. His numbers probably are top five, and we're going to talk about how hard it is to get into this top five. Like, it's it's ridiculous, in my opinion, to move past the top five pitchers in this group. But he certainly could do it with these numbers. I just need to see a little more out of him. The sticky stuff, I hadn't even thought about that. 
I was more focused on the fact that his full season, his best season, his Cy Young season was against the worst division in baseball. And that competition, the competition he faced to get a 173 ERA was really bad. Just give me one really solid year. I'm talking maybe give me one sub three year and you're going to shoot up this list in the NL West. All right. Number also tied for 10th. We have Walker Bueller, number eight on my list and unranked on LJ's list. Um, uh, what I'll say about a uh, Walker Bueller since he debuted in 2017, uh, he's been extremely consistent. Uh, his first full season was 2018, and I mean, 262 ERA in 137 innings, extremely solid. 2019 finally gets a full season under his belt, 182 innings, uh. Leads the uh, the National League in his win-loss percentage, if that matters to you. Another solid season. And then, of course, you look at 2020, where he was hurt for a little bit, but still put in eight very good starts. And 2021 was by far his best season. Uh, fourth in the Cy Young voting, 207 innings, leads the MLB in games started. Uh, LJ, surprised to not see him on your list, but I'm going to have to assume he was an honorable mention uh, at the very least. Yeah, I mean, certainly I, he would be fringe bubble to, yeah, he, he'd be in that bubble. I don't know. I think also there's a, a certain thing about this that I guess you could call it a wow factor, but there's something that about pitching that just translates season to season of the dominance of it. And I just don't think physically he has fully gotten to the point where he is all that imposing. So give me a couple, he's very, he's very close to being on this list, but him and this next guy you're going to talk about. I just, there was something about the eye test that was off there for me. He personally, I, I personally put him number eight because he, he does step up in the playoffs, except mm-hmm. against Atlanta this year. Um, previously in the playoffs, he has a very good track record, especially in that world series against the Red Sox. He was, he was very good. So um, the next guy though, we're going to be talking about LJ. We've got coming in at number nine. Robbie Ray. Wobby Way. Wobby Way. He's number seven on my list, unranked on LJ's list. Um, LJ, question. So, you know, Robbie Ray won the 2021 Cy Young and that he is the MLB's all-time career leader in strikeouts per nine. He has the gold on his baseball reference. Don't think any other player we're going to be talking about has a gold uh, box on their baseball reference page. LJ, how can you leave out our guy, Wabi Way? Meh. Meh. He's got the gold, LJ. Robbie Way he got the gold. The- He's going to have the gold for like one more month. All right. He's going to have it for a couple more months because we're not going to start the baseball season on time. By July, he's not going to have that gold anymore. Um, I feel pretty confident that he will lose that. But I don't know. I look at him and I don't know. I just I think my question that I asked with each of these guys, and it's easier to ask this with this group because you're looking for the best of the best. And I had to ask myself, 
who would I want at the front of my rotation? And I can rattle off a handful of guys that I was picking before him. He, he just kind of, you know, it's the numbers aren't there for him to be anything more than an afterthought. I'm sorry. See, to me, like, I feel like you could have said the same thing about a guy like Tyler O'Neill, who we both ranked as our number one left fielder, because Tyler O'Neill's like really only good full season is 2021. Yet we put him there. And Robbie Ray had an objectively much better season. I mean, he led the league in a bunch of different categories. No, I mean, you have a very valid opinion. Robbie Ray certainly has not done much in the past other than the 2017 season. So now that he's on the Mariners, you know, little change of scenery, maybe he can continue to go off. Him and Marco Gonzalez, the two lefties, can figure it out. What you're not considering here, too, is there's a big difference in quality there. There's a huge difference in quality at start in terms of starting pitching compared to left field compared to. Oh, no. Yeah, for sure. There's there's a huge difference. Frankly, where do we rank this in terms of depth of quality talent? I mean, I'd say either third base or shortstop is number one, right? Yes, I, I'd have to say that it's right up there with it. Like, Yeah, I mean, it's third I could, base. I think I could convince you that this was number one. I think third base, shortstop, pitcher, and right field are the top four in, in no order, um, at least for me. Uh, yeah, second base is deep too, actually. You know, the league is way deeper than it has been, I feel, um, which is good. All right. Well, where are we? Oh, LJ, this, is, this, this next one is Justin Verlander at number eight. He came in at number six on LJ's list, and I had him ranked number 11 on my list. Just missed the cut right behind Trevor Bauer. LJ. Don't I don't want you to tell me about what what Justin Verlander did in his in his past, okay? Because I know he hasn't pitched in a while. I want you to tell me, and I want you to give me good reasons because I want to agree with this. Why is Justin Verlander right now the sixth best pitcher in the league right now? Because Brandon, we have seen Justin Verlander take off in his late 30s, pitched some of his best years after already being after already being a legitimate Hall of Fame case type guy, he has come out in his late 30s in Houston and put on a show. Let me remind you, he has had six innings since he led the league in innings, in whip, in home runs per nine wins. Um, this is a Cy Young winner who got six innings in the last two years because of the same injury. It's not like this is a guy who has become injury prone. I look at Justin Verlander and I see one of the smartest and most dominant pitchers out there. I look at a guy who commanded that rotation in Houston, even with a guy like Garrett Cole right next to him. And I just... Part of me doesn't part of me puts him here because I'm not sure what I'm going to do if he doesn't come come back to being an elite pitcher, but the other part of me is fully 100% confident 
in his ability to be one of the game's greats once again when he comes back this year. This is going to be a real reminder to her. Frankly, I think he is going to be, write, write this down somewhere, Justin Verlander will be the story of the first month and a half to month of baseball. It's going to be him. He is going to be 100% the story, the thing that people are talking about coming out of it. He's going to come out and put this league on notice. Mark my words. LJ, that would be awesome. But you want to know what is awesome that I just read? Um, UConn just beat Villanova on a buzzer beater. Brandon, I have the game taped. Oh, my God. I thought you were watching the game, LJ. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I will not tell you anything else that happens, but you're in for quite the game. I'm so sorry. It's okay. You know, I can, I how do you mad. tape games without – you don't get any alerts on your phone, nothing? Your, your dad's no. not texting you? No one's texting you about the game? No. I, feel, I feel so bad. I'm sorry. I'm also really bad about apps because, like, half of these apps, like, shut down. Like, for Pete's sake, the NBA shut, does a new app every, like, three years or two years. And so I'm just like, forget it. I go, through, I go through mostly ESPN for everything, and I have not gotten anything yet. Well, I'm sorry. Well, thank you. You can sleep uh, good tonight. All right, number seven, Shane Bieber. Uh Really, really dominant 2020. Uh, the 2021 season was was good. I mean, he threw not a lot of innings, but in the innings that he had, it was it was good. I mean, nothing's going to touch his 2020 season, but I mean, LJ, I think that this is just kind of a good spot for him. I think I had him ranked number six. You had him number eight. Uh, yeah, number seven just feels right for for Shane, Shane Bieber. He's just a consistently good young pitcher. Is there much more to say? He's, he had a, he's a consistently really good young yeah. pitcher. Brandon, you're acting like 317 ERA, a 139 ERA plus. Well, a 139 ERA plus is excellent. And I know the war doesn't show nearly the same thing at this point, but from what I can see, I don't know. I just feel like, again, eye test was a big thing for this guy. He has the stuff to go out and do this. Frankly, I think we are in, we are in for another year of improvement out of him, especially another healthy year of improvement. This was 96 innings that he did 317 in. I feel very confident that he's going to start putting up sub threes in the next couple of years if he stays healthy. He's, he's got the goods. And we certainly know that the Indians, uh, specifically starting pitcher development, uh, one of the best in the, in the league. So we've seen lots of pitchers come through that organization and get significantly better. So he's a stud. He's going to continue to be a stud. LJ, we have another tie, this time for fifth place. We've got Zach Wheeler, fifth on my rankings and number seven on LJ's rankings. LJ, I thought you were like a big Zach Wheeler guy towards the end of the year. You 
but you were kind of pushing for him for a few weeks after Corbin Burns had a bad start. We kind of wanted to see this guy win the Cy Young. Yeah, and I mean, he's done the work to get, um, I just saw the back bucket. Um, he, he did the work to get there. It's just, you know, he, he deserves the credit. He deserves acknowledgement. But as you were already giving me shade before we started recording about somebody where somebody else is on this list, we're talking about like the top six play- pitchers in the world. Frankly, this top five is like an S tier and then everybody else is an A tier. And it's like, you know, there's a step above with the couple guys that are ahead of him. Like I honestly, at this point, I feel like if I was Zach Wheeler and I looked at this list that I'm showing, I wouldn't feel slighted that I'm at seven. I, I would frankly feel, feel pretty proud, but this guy, yeah. I mean, eats innings really takes control of games is just an overall a fantastic pitcher that again the type of guy you want to have anchoring your rotation be just partially just because he has the ability to take so many innings to go out and help flat out win games uh did he end up leading the league in war pitching war this year uh no he had five point uh he had seven point six war he might have Yes, he did. He, okay. yeah, he had it, he had it by a point nine over Walker Bueller. Got it. He also led the so, MLB in innings pitch too, which um, equally is impressive when you look at he had a career low ERA. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, look, this guy's this guy's a stud. I just don't think he has the next level. And maybe you know, maybe it's partially just him being overused that I didn't see it, but we are really starting to get picky with these next couple guys. I mean, let's be real. Also tied for fifth, we have Brandon Woodruff, who LJ has ranked at number three. I ranked him at number nine. As I said many times on this show, Brandon Woodruff, my 2021 NL Cy Young pick. And... I think he was like 33 to one odds or whatever. He put up a really good season. I mean, fifth in Cy Young voting, 256 ERA. He improved on his 2020, which was an improvement on his 2019. And it's just another guy on this on this Brewer staff. And we're gonna get to another one of those guys soon, but just another guy that is just so dominant on the mound and you watch what he's done the last three years and he stacks up with a lot of these top pitchers and LJ I know that's why you put him number three I like I don't know how I could put him in in front of any of the other guys I have but then again it's like I feel like he's way too low on my list uh LJ I'm gonna guess because I didn't look at a baseball savant for him. I'd have to imagine that his baseball savant numbers the last few years have been really, really good. Who, uh, Brandon Woodruff's yes. baseball savant numbers? Um, I had, you know, I had them up. I can't remember what they were, but I had them up when I was looking at this list. Brandon Woodruff, I feel like his people's viewpoint on him is taken down a notch just because he was the second guy on his team like 
And that seems a little ridiculous because, again, that's the same thing we were talking about. Basically, that's exactly how we were talking about Garrett Cole just like two years ago. And yet we all turned the corner on him. And he ended up making um, how much was his contract with the Yankees? 329, I think. $329 million. Um, that's ridiculous, and that's an honor, and everyone agreed that he would deserve it. I don't feel like Brandon Woodruff's getting the same treatment, and he arguably has more reason to get the treatment. No, he has more reason to get the treatment than Garrett Cole did, did at that time, I think. Um, as far as baseball savant numbers, average exit velocity in the 92nd percentile, we're talking – uh, 83 percentile expected ERA this year. Go back to 2019. We're talking about, and this is even before he really got to being excellent, 97th in average exit velocity, 91st in hard hit percentage, 93rd in barrels, Brandon. This is wow. great stuff. Great stuff. When I saw him at number three, I was surprised, but then again, the pitchers, I mean, you can just like mix and match these guys on this list and really would not have a problem with a lot of it. All right, number four, this is where we really start to get LJ. I'd say that like the last three guys we talked about, even even Verlander, Verlander, Bieber, Wheeler, Woodruff, they're all like the lower S tier. And then these top four are the higher S tier. Yes. Number four. Right. No, no, no. These are the mid-S tier. These are the mid-S tier. Okay. Max Scherzer of the New York Mets, previously of the Nationals and Dodgers. And, and Tigers. Sorry. Uh, we talked about late 30s resurgences with Justin Verlander. And Max Scherzer signs a huge contract in 2015 with the Nationals going on to his age 30 season and basically gave the nationals what was what they can now say is the best free agent signing in the history of the league. I really think it is what he did over that time. When you look at every other deal, he was good every single year of the deal. There was no wasted money because they ended up trading him. I genuinely think that that's the best free agent signing in the history of baseball because every single year he produced for them and continued to produce. And we saw in the playoffs when they need, when the, when the Dodgers needed a win, they got it against the giants. We're not going to talk about the brave series that did not happen, but Max Scherzer, LJ is on the Mets now. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Oh, sit here. Thanks. Hey, I saw you give up your seat for the woman with the oxygen tank. Another way to show her your good side? Donate at Griffles Plasma, because she also relies on plasma-based medicines. Find a center at grifflesplasma.com. You can receive up to $800 this month. Um, look, 
Max Scherzer, yeah, you're you're 100% spot on with this. And not only has some of his numbers gotten better with age, but like the advanced numbers are very much here for this guy. Honestly, like how many how many guys do you see partially change their game of course and grow with it, but also be able to physically keep up with the game as it changes the way that Max Scherzer does and being another one of the guys. I mean, Justin Verlander, as much as great as I think he is, as much as I talked him up there, he, you know, kind of does play a little bit out of, not, out, not necessarily out of time, but he doesn't fit with the modern, modern star pitcher. Like he is not that guy. Max Scherzer has managed to turn himself into that guy. He has grown, fully grown with the game and adapted with the game. And he is just, he's a spectacle to see, even at 37. All right, coming in. Oh, by the way, Max Scherzer was number four on both of our lists. Coming in at number three is Garrett Cole, ranking number two on my list and number five on LJ's list. What I'll say about Garrett Cole, of course, because he's a Yankee, takes a lot of unnecessary hate. Because Josh Donaldson made him the face of the, of the sticky stuff scandal, which is just crazy because this guy couldn't answer one question in front of the media, made himself look like a fool. Well, whose fault is that? Made himself look like a fool. Because of that, this guy needs, uh, for whatever reason, has some of the highest expectations that I've ever seen out of a pitcher uh, and when it comes to the general media. And yeah, he embarrassed himself in the wild card game. I'll admit it. That was we had our three hundred million dollar pitcher on the on the mound, and he lost us the game. It's that simple. But like, like let's not forget what this guy still did in twenty twenty one. People were penciling him in to win the Cy Young almost the whole year until August and September when Robbie Ray just Robbie Way just outpitched him. Uh, that's okay, though, because it's not, it's not like he hasn't won one before. Well, here's the thing, LJ. Garrett Cole, I want to say, and is the only pitcher except for Scherzer since 2018 to get Cy Young votes every single year or close to that. I don't know. Like, Cole is still one of the most consistent players in the league. He's put up very similar stat lines since his 2017 season. And I feel very confident when he's on the mound for the Yankees. Uh, Just like take a look at his 2021 season. The start was, it was not the best. Uh, He had a good April. And then as the summer uh, started to go on, you know, it was a rough June. He picked it up though. Uh, Second half of the year was super impressive. ERA ended up getting over three because he got shelled that one game in Cleveland. Um, but look, end of the day, this guy's the number two pitcher in the league. Uh, it's, it was very easy for me. When I made this list, I put Jacob DeGrom one, Garrett Cole two. Oh, spoiler alert. Oh, sorry. Sorry. As if, well, and everything tonight, my Lord. As if we don't know who's going to be number one. I mean. <laughs> You're spoiling so. the highest here, Brandon. So LJ, why um, 
I, I question why you have Garrett Cole behind both Max Scherzer and Brandon Woodruff. Look, I, I'm going to come across poorly here because I can't restrain myself. But again, I say getting into the top five is ridiculously hard, and he is a ridiculously good talent. What kept him any higher? Um, honestly, you know, the spider tech thing is, it's not a, it's a, no, Brandon, pick your head up and listen to me because you have to understand where I'm coming from. And it's the same place that you came from with Trevor Bauer, except it looks a million times worse here because everyone knows. And frankly, I really hope this isn't the case that. Houston does something down there. They have a really good program. I'm not sure if that's sticky stuff or if that is something else they're doing with pitch mix and stuff. But he took a huge jump when he goes to Houston. He has a great season, great shortened season with the Yankees in 2020. And then the year after the sticky stuff, he has his worst year since Pittsburgh. I, I don't want to have that be the cause. I really hope I'm wrong. Because so his worst year is coming second in the Cy Young voting. Also in a very weak class. Um, I don't know how you could say. I mean, it was a weak Sure, it was Bobby a weak Ray year. Won the Cy Young. Sure, it was a weak <laughs> year, LJ. But his FIP was better than, like, a lot of his seasons. Look, I'm going to be flat out honest with you here, Brandon. If Nathan Eovaldi is in the top five in Cy Young voting, there's something wrong with the competition of that year. Um, I'm going to be flat out with you. But no, that's not even the, that is not the whole thing. Again, I'm just at this point, this isn't a slight on him. I'm nitpicking these players to death at this point. Getting into this group, you are, you nitpick these guys to death. That's what's coming here. You know, I just need to see – I need to see something else from him for him to push past Scherzer. Again, it's very realistic for him to pass push past Scherzer. It's very realistic for him to pit, push past Woodruff this year. Very. I just think between that and the fact that you're, you're – uh, let's just say you can't be a top four pitcher in the league if you get rattled by a Kermit the Frog plush while you're warming up in the bullpen. That's all I'm going to say. Jacoby Ellsbury lost the Yankees the wild card game. <laughs> All right. G, not, not a guy with the uh, intestinal fortitude of a wet French fry getting offended that he was called Kermit the Frog, getting jeered by. And number two, we have Corbin Burns <laughs> of the Milwaukee Brewers. The second Brewers player on this list. I had him at number three. LJ had him at number two. And um, I mean, the Corbin Burns thing, let's not forget, he starts the 2021 season, breaks the record for most strikeouts without allowing a walk. Uh, LJ, he threw 108 more innings in 2021 and only walked 10 more batters than he did in 2020. This this last season was freaking insane from him. Um, I, I'm glad he was able to get the recognition from it, unfortunately, at the expense of some other people that certainly would have gotten it. But 
I'm glad he was able to get the recognition that he almost didn't get for this achievement. But no, this is one of the most dominant performances at least we've seen, and or at least have been cognizant of over the course of a full season, over the course of 167 innings. And frankly, with the exception of again a couple a couple dud stretches, he his numbers could have been so much better, which is the craziest part. And something that's amazing to me. Um, so two of the best pitch seasons ever. One is can one um is Dwight Gooden in 1985. Uh, he had a 153 ERA in 276 innings, just absurd numbers. I think he had like 13 war or something. He had he had a 2.13 FIP. Okay, so 2.13. And then we have Bob Gibson in the year of the pitcher. And that was in 1968, where he had a 1.12 ERA over 304 innings. And he had a 177 FIP. So we have Where's one it, of them over, go over what FIP means again. Fielder independent pitching is essentially what your ERA is taking out your fielders. Basically, it takes your walks, your home runs, and your strikeouts into account, and it shows you what your ERA would be if there was no fielders. LJ, Corbin Burns had the best in modern history since Pedro Martinez um, in 2000. He had a 1.63. What P- so if you take away his fielders, in the at bats that he controls and his and his fielders don't, he had a one point six three ERA. In the at bats that he controls, it's incredible, and it was the consistency of the whole season, LJ, that makes me think that this guy is just a super established, top of the line ace, because. How many bad starts did he really have that you can like remember off the top of your head? It's not many. Very few. Again, and it, and it was like logical reason. Like the, the first place that comes to mind was that um, early May after he had the whole stretch with the strikeouts and the walk mm-hmm. and everything and he was going crazy. And then he got hurt. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he came back and he did not look fully sharp when he came back. That is the that is the only spot that really comes to mind with this guy. Another thing to keep in mind here, he has had two seasons in which he has been, well, really, this is his first season where he has been fully in the rotation. But he's had two seasons where he's been majority in the rotation. Both of those seasons have been under a 250 ERA. And this guy's just coming into what should be his athletic prime. If he's an athletic prime peaker, we don't know. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to see this guy. Um, prior to talking about the number one guy, LJF, uh, should I mention a few players that got left off of the list that could potentially get on there next year if they have another good season? Absolutely. Number one, Kevin Gausman. Uh, let's not forget now signed with the Toronto Blue Jays. LJ, uh, it was very hard for me to keep him off the list. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, sample size just wasn't there for me. Eye test wasn't there for me. He was a late bubble guy. 
back back end of the bubble. He's on the back bubble. Uh, another one, little interesting, but I think if he has a big year, he's kind of in the same situation that like Brandon Woodruff is in. Uh, Sandy Alcantara. Thoughts? Interesting. Big strikeout guy. Uh, the strikeout numbers uh, are there, and he's electric. I think if he had run support, people would talk about him a little more. Um, I left Justin Verlander off my list. You Darvish, you could throw in there. Hyunjin Ryu, possibly. Um, Freddie Peralta, maybe. Luis Castillo, maybe. Um, Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani, Nathan Eovaldi. As LJ said, extremely deep position. Um, can I throw in some hot Chris Sale? Takes? I was about to say, can I throw in some hot takes? Chris Sale is not far off this list. There was a point in time where I strongly considered moving him in for Lance Lynn. Came back from my senses, need a little bit more after the last couple of seasons. Didn't go so well. Um, another couple guys to look out for. Well, first off, Clayton Kershaw yeah. was in that bubble for me. Max Freed was in that bubble for me. Yeah, it's a great one, actually. Um, past that, there's a couple other guys that I'm just throwing out here. You could very well see in the bubble or in this list next year, Michael Kopech and Ranger Suarez there. Ranger Suarez, I love because the season that he just had, um, most of it out of the bullpen, but in the starts he had, he was just really good. So I love that one for the Phillies. Um, LJ, how about Julio Urias? Hmm. Yep. He won, he, he won 20 games. He was 20 and three this year. So just so deep. Marcus Stroman, that, you could even throw in there. Uh, lots of different guys here. And that's without even looking at some of the young guys, some of the young guys who haven't really broken out in a big way yet. Some of these guys, I mean, what guys in the pipeline do we need to be seriously considering for this as well? You know? Sixto like, Sanchez, maybe. Sixto. I don't know. I'm. We haven't seen him yet. Is the thing. I'm an. I'm apprehensive of him just because you know injuries are uh, tough. But there's certainly there's some exciting pitchers that could be on their way up. Jack Leiter in the news. Jack Leiter. You know, we can still hold out hope on Kumar Rocker. Yeah. Just from now, um, just flipping through the top 100 prospects, Grayson Rodriguez should yeah. be should be up this year any number of these guys frankly should be thought of or at least put into consideration for being in that bubble they could very well put themselves in that bubble by next year if they have a strong rookie year lj two more names i'm gonna throw out actually a few more names number one is joe musgrove two charlie morton and um how about Aaron Nola? I mean, <laughs> he's still there. Jose Barrios, let's not forget, he's on he's on the Blue Jays too. I mean, extremely deep. I love talking pitchers, especially relievers. That's next week's episode. But LJ, should we reveal number one? Well, I believe you already revealed it as you Jacob reveal DeGrom. everything. But yeah, Jacob DeGrom. What else is there to say? Um, his 2021 season, in the 15 starts he made, 
LJ and I probably texted each other during 13 of them. Um, it was must-watch baseball. If he was pitching, you're was putting down television. Yeah, you're putting down what you're doing and you're watching him pitch. Um, that stretch he had at the start of the year where I think he struck out 14, 14, and then 15 in three games in a row. <laughs> that was it, it's just this guy's unbelievable the best pitcher of our generation. Um, not much more to say was a shoe in to win the Cy Young um, prior to him getting hurt. He throws 92 innings and still finishes ninth in the Cy Young voting. That, that, that's all you need to know. I mean, he basically had what a reliever throws, but just 4.4 war. So yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just think, yeah, again, if he pitched the full season, he's the he's the NL MVP. He is the NL Cy Young. This is exactly the guy who I was talking about with Brandon, or not Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns could have had this insane season and wouldn't have come close to sniffing what Jacob DeGrom did through 92 innings. And we're acting like 92 innings is just so little again we're talking about it like yes it's what a reliever might throw but that's still like for most pitchers these days that's about half a season yeah we're seeing less and less guys go over 200 innings if he yeah again he's not that far he wasn't that far off he did a he had a 108 era in basically half a season that's ridiculous we're not going to see that and why why i made the specification of must watch um, television instead of must watch baseball is because like this, this guy is good enough and was good enough to get other people interested, to get people that aren't going to be the diehard follow everything baseball guys interested. You're absolutely right. And LJ, it's sad to announce, but next week is our last top 10 episode. Yes. No. It is not our last top 10. It is our last top 10 position ranking episode. Right, right, right. We will be finishing up with the relievers next week. But before we end the show, I will run through our list one last time. Number 12, Lance Lynn. Tied for 10th, Trevor Bauer, Walker Bueller. Ninth, Robbie Ray. Justin Verlander at 8. Shane Bieber at 7. Brandon Woodruff and Zach Wheeler tied for 5th. Max Scherzer at four, Garrett Cole, three, Corbin Burns, two, and Jacob DeGrom, your best pitcher heading in to the 2022 season. Next week, we'll be back with our top 10 relief pitchers. The week after that, LJ, I'm excited. We reveal our top 10 most hated players in the league should be a good one. LJ, you have anything before we sign off? No. All right. Have a good night, everyone. We will see you next week. And uh, yeah, have a good one. See you.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone.